in the field of human conflict, but so much owed by so many to so few. episode of Radio UF. My name is Laura de Alba and I am here in the studio with Eric Karlqvist. This is the first time you see or hear him, not see him, but hear him on this side of the mic. But he's been around since the beginning of the school year, September 2023, doing a lot of the research work, administrative work for the radio. So it's a pleasure to finally have you on this end of the studio. So welcome, Eric. Can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you. First of all, it's great to be here. Um, so my name is Eric and I'm a first year student here at Uppsala. I study peace and conflict studies. And on the side, I'm uh, working with Radio UF as a trustee. And I also write uh, articles for Utrik magazine, which is also part of Utrik's Politiska Föreningen i Uppsala. Um, yeah. Thank you. And... We're talking about a very interesting topic, uh, Sweden in the EU. So now that the European elections are around the corner, we've heard more and more about the EU. And the UF lecture group invited the Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson to give a lecture on not just the EU, but also foreign affairs. However, EU is a really big part of what the prime minister included in his speech. So we felt like highlighting it and going a bit more into an in-depth analysis. And yes, like dwelling the advantages, disadvantages and historical recap. So you're going to hear a bit of fragments from the lecture. Eric also had the opportunity to ask a question directly during the meeting. I was there as well, so we can like <laughs> tell you some anecdotes like if you want to leave us some comments as well and we can reply to them. Um but yeah. We hope that you will enjoy this episode. We had a lot of fun making it. So, yes. Now you're going to listen to Lava by like this is Radio UF via Student Radio 98.0. And we're back here at the studio. You're listening to Radio UF. My name is Laura de Alba, and I am here with a very, very special guest, uh, uh, Frederica. Hello. How Hi. are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so, Frederica, uh, it's the first time she's with us uh, at Radio UF, even though she's no stranger to the mic. Uh, she has a weekly program <laughs> called Sent Lunch Mepeko, or Late Lunch with 
political yes, science political <laughs> science students i'm yeah. one of six uh, political science students um not the most frequent uh, broadcaster but yeah yeah and they discuss internal politics at mm. every wednesday at 6 p.m so yes. don't miss out on that either Uh, and actually, Frederica is also the head of lecture at UF. She is a multitasker. And uh, she, with, together with Amanda Larson, mm -hmm. were organizing the lecture with Ulf Christensen uh, the past 30th of November. And we would love to have your point of view. And maybe if you can do a short summary of what was said during that hour. So the lec lecture was structured so that me and Amanda asked him specific questions that we prepared um, beforehand during like 20 minutes. And then we opened up to questions from the audience during the last 30 minutes. And questions that we asked that I found that he he gave a quite interesting reply to. So we asked questions regarding um, Sweden's role in the global context uh, and the EU, EU of course. Um, when asked about, uh, I asked him about weapons import and how we should regulate that. He highlighted mostly how we have been so, um, like the EU's compatibility in cooperating with weapons delivery to Ukraine, for example. Um, not really tapping into the question uh, question regarding like yeah. weapons in, import from Israel, for example. Um, so regarding like the EU um, that you're discussing in this program, he was very proud of like how how Sweden has has cooperated so well with weapons delivery, and he was not shy to to highlight that. I see. By the way, a tip uh, if you're interested in EU politics, we also have a section of the episode of Nagorno Karabakh mm. uh, where we talk about like the gas import uh, through Azerbaijan and mm. how it has like been part of the conflict in uh, Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh uh, and Azerbaijan. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, it's up in their portal. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if there's something else uh, about the lecture that you would like to highlight. Um, I do want to highlight the fact that there were protests in the hall um, by protesters for the Palestinian cause. Way I found it so important that it actually took place The, like not speaking of like the question in hand more that it was really like a place for open discussion and it was expected I think they expected it as well yes. um, so seeing how he reacted on it or didn't react upon it was very interesting <laughs> and what lectures are upcoming this semester Frederica? Um, lots of lectures that was the most vague answer I could give but next week we have the air force chief coming to give a lecture on NATO integration and also the power of this, or the power of the Swedish Air Force but yes Swedish Air Force and how we uh, how the weapons industry is very integrated into that development so I think that will be a very interesting lecture. Thank you Frederica so much for being with us and I hope to see you to have you in front of our mic in the near future. And we're back here at the studio. You're listening to Radio UF, and that was Antichorus by Boy Genius. And we are delving into the role of Sweden in the EU. We're taking as a starting point the lecture of Ulf Kristersson here in Uppsala, organized by Uppsala Utrikespolitiska Föreningen. Uh, but before we 
do that and we talk more in detail. Uh, we wanted to have a little historical recap of Sweden in the EU. And for that, Eric has actually prepared a crash course <laughs> on <laughs> exactly. the topic. So the history of Sweden and the EU in three minutes. The floor is yours, Eric. Let's go. So basically, the, the roots of the EU as we know it today can be traced back to a corporation that started in 1952 called the European Coal and Steel Community. This basically meant that the European, the former European war rivals uh, were to get insight in the very industry t- industries that are crucial to manufacture weapons. And in this way, we would uh, ensure peace in Europe. So this community included West Germany, France, Italy and the Benelux countries. Um, and more countries were in, invited among those uh, Sweden, but uh, at the time Sweden did not respond to this invitation. And later in 1957, um, the Treaty of Rome was made, which basically serves as the foundation of the EU as we know it today, outlining the important policy goals such as the common market, free movement of goods, capital, services and people. And Sweden uh, first joined in 1995 after having held uh, a referendum in uh, the year prior. In this uh, referendum, uh, 52.3 of the votes were in favor of joining. And one reason for this referendum was to legitimize, so to say, a potential entrance since this was seen as a major step uh, for Sweden. And uh, among those who voted yes, uh, some notable reasons was uh, that EU was seen as a way of ensuring peace and that Sweden would probably potentially become isolated if it it did not join. And among the people who voted no, some reasons for this was uh, a fear of decreasing sovereignty and autonomy and also um, uh, the issue of more open borders. But uh, then also an explanation to why uh, Sweden had kept this sort of distance towards uh, the the cooperation on the European continent can be found in the fact that Sweden held its neutrality policy throughout the Cold War and had Sweden gotten closer to, to EU, so to say, during this time, the, this neutrality policy could come across as less credible. But then uh, with, the, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, this really redrew uh, the geopolitical landscape of Europe and this also opened up for new maneuvers for, for, for Sweden. Sweden also joined EU at the same time uh, as Finland and Austria, which were some other neutral countries at the time. Yeah, and since joining uh, the Swedish support for the EU has if you look at the trend at least, uh, gone up. And at the moment it is fairly strong with about 6 out of 10 uh, Swedes um, being positive towards the EU as an institution, uh, which ranks Sweden as uh, number 7 out of the 27 EU countries on this question. Yes, so thank you for that insight. I think that it's going to be really useful to understand the rest of what we're going to talk and to see to what point uh, global or European politics have shifted. You are listening to Radio UF and this is Silver Gold by Field Medic. So when Ulf Kirsteson was giving his lecture back in November, I had the chance to ask him about a proclamation that the government had published uh, about uh, its uh, attitude towards the EU and 
This said that Sweden needs to improve its ability to identify and articulate Swedish national interests in the EU and that many Swedish interests can only be protected and furthered through the EU. So my question to him was to clarify which national interest the government primarily referred to and this was his answer to it, which we have dubbed since uh, this was asked as an answer to in Swedish. When I say Swedish interest in the EU, I mean this in two ways. First, all countries in the EU are not just using the EU to praise it every day as a peace organization. You simply can't do that every day. However, it is important to remember why the EU was created and it is a living memory. All countries also want results and seek gains from it. The French act pretty French, and the Germans act pretty German. We should not be ashamed to act Swedish. Still, the EU usually can only be united when many countries believe something is good. To mention some obvious interests, Sweden may be the country that has the most to gain from a well-functioning inner European market. It is hard to imagine Swedish export without the EU. It is an impossible thought. It would be like Brexit, but much worse. We are very trade-reliant and have a very European economy. Imagine an inner market that also encompassed digital services instead of having 27 different. Imagine a telecom market that can compete with those in North America and Asia. This is a vital Swedish interest. A practical issue is transnational crime affecting Sweden. Have you ever heard about criminal gangs that have ties to other countries? I can assure you that I have. To catch these criminals, we need European cooperation. I recently talked with Alexander de Croix, the Belgian Prime Minister, after the recent targeted murder of Swedish citizens in Belgium. I found it interesting that he did not know that the suspect had previously been held in Swedish prison and then moving around illegally in Europe, ending up killing two Swedes. The climate issue is obvious. Europe is now the first continent in the world to have a united climate policy, would fit for 55. So I think there's an enormous Swedish interest here. We should not be shy to stand up for Swedish interests in Europe. Yes, yeah, so that was an extract from the lecture on the 30th of November. You can listen and watch the entire version uh, and the entire video on YouTube um, in the web magazine. And I think that the first thing that comes to mind when I listen to these words is that I recognize the current position of the Swedish government towards the EU questions and... This is very different to the recap that Eric had told us. It was like a lot more reservations, more neutrality. And we have seen a a shift in the past years. Uh, And well, now we have to go on a break, listen to some music, but we're going to discuss this in depth after the music break. This is We Make This by Yard Act. So the top worries of Swedish voters, according to polls, are security, uh, the gang violence, the climate crisis, and healthcare. And I think that we can see all of these elements reflected all also on Ulf Kristersson's a- answer to 
uh, Eric's question. Um, mm. And also when we were brainstorming for this episode, uh, some th- a question that came up to mind was, is Sweden pushing more towards the EU? And we see in the context that there was this politi- politics of neutrality that have in a way shaped the Swedish identity mm-hmm. when it comes to foreign politics. Yeah, mo- most definitely. Because uh, it had been, what, how many years of uh, neutrality? Oh, I, I I don't want to say an exact year now, but um, it's um, it's been for very long. It's We haven't been in a war for more than 200 years, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's definitely uh, something that shapes a country's <laughs> identity and attitude. Um, but we, with the recent uh, war in Ukraine and all the sort of geopolitics that Sweden ends up to, in, into, given its sort of, um, you know, the geographic proximity to Russia mm-hmm. uh, and the accession to NATO, then that neutrality is gone anymore. That's not something that we don't need to protect in the public eye, basically. Uh, so this means that there is also a more free access and free path uh, towards the EU, even though it's we know it's very different. The EU was meant to create more, more peace. We saw it in the polls back in the 90s. That was like the main reason why voters decided to go into the EU in the first place. But still, like, there's this sort of formality that uh, has, that comes with uh, politics. Um, so, um, yeah, and another another aspect would be the climate policies that mm. before the war, this was, like, the main concern of Swedish voters, like... Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, 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 the war has basically, I guess, overshadowed a lot of uh, other issues because, uh, and it, I think it's really pushing... Um, more and more people to um, sort of um, this position where you look at the EU as a way to sort of stick together um, the well democracies of Europe uh, against uh, a perceived uh, and very real threat uh, of Russia. Um, and even against the, the US, we can see it in the episode we had in December with mm-hmm. the EU strategic autonomy, for example. Yeah how to compete, not only in terms of security, in terms of military aspects, but also in terms of trade and in terms of, uh, as uh, Ulf Christensen was saying, like telecoms that can compete with North American companies. Mm. Um, so this is, uh, it has shifted for sure. Yes, um, uh, definitely. Um, and I think uh, it's interesting because he talks about how um, Sweden, uh, w- one quote he said was that as a small export-reliant country, um, Sweden um, is uh, Sweden needs the, the world and the EU more than the world and the EU needs Sweden. And um, I think just because of like the increasing trend of like globalization and all of that, uh, it's um, just getting, um, uh, well, less and less... Uh, uh, possible to not uh, sort of move in this direction. Uh. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think that another aspect was the security in terms of gun criminality that has been racing in Europe. And I think that this is definitely uh, th- tools like Europol could be of help. I think that the only important thing to remember is that politics like this sometimes come with risks of uh, pushing stereotypes or racist ideologies, not from the government, but from other groups that start taking a place in the public speech. So I feel like we just need to stay alert to the strands while we pursue security. You're listening to Radio F, and this is We Look Good Together by Courting. (laughs) 
You're listening to Radio UF. Uh, so far in the program, we've discussed um, uh, Ulf Kristersson and the government's view on the EU, um, as well as some uh, main areas uh, of interest um, politically. And um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how the EU uh, may be used to uh, sort of foster uh, national interests. And well, by now, I think everyone listening is aware that Sweden uh, has, a, or the government now has a very positive attitude towards the EU and um, uh, using it instrumentally. Um, and um, he, in his uh, lecture, uh, he he talked a lot about how um, although Sweden may have uh, some influence uh, politically on its uh, well neighboring countries in, in the Nordic and the Baltic, um, if uh, Sweden wants to sort of achieve uh, things on, on, on the world stage, uh, this can only really be done uh, through uh, getting the EU to act together uh, according to um, sort of, uh, well, the Swedish uh, national interests. And uh, he also uh, mentioned, um, well, the threat of China and how um, both the EU and the US needs to, um, well, keep the democratic world uh, united in response to uh, what China is doing on Uh, on the world stage and um, I would say all of this basically goes back uh, to the fact that Sweden uh, is a small country in a large world um, and uh, well some of those uh, issues he talked about as well um, uh, like uh, well uh, the the criminality and the transnational crime which um, is often linked uh, to some extent to uh, the border issue um, That's one very typical issue where you can see that uh, if if the Swedish interest uh, of the government is to uh, limit uh, immigration, uh, which it is, for example, uh, this can't be done uh, just by um, doing things uh, at the borders in Sweden, but it has to go through the EU and the external borders because of the free movement, for example. Uh, and um, this is like this. Well, this is one example of uh, what. Um, how the EU may be used instrumentally to get uh, to um, to advance an interest like that. Um, but I also thought it was interesting how he talked about some bilateral work um, uh, about uh, Armenia uh, and how Sweden has been uh, having, um, well, doing bilateral work, uh, getting Armenia to get closer towards uh, the EU. Um, exactly, and this is a topic that we are very familiar with because we talked to, with Maria Pershenlovgren uh, about this very same issue and how this kind of will of Armenia to be closer to the EU and maybe even prepare like a candidature to be a EU country, that kind of like ended and resulted in the Nakorno-Karabakh conflict. Okay, this is, yes, maybe we don't have proof but this is what many experts in the topic think so sweden has been a part of this and it gives a platform for more international influence mm. they also have the eu also has development and cooperation organizations that work in latin america in china in uh Southeast Asia, you name it. So it's a it's a very powerful institution, and mm. having representation there is important because, yeah, as we said for the tourism, it's a small country in a big world. Um, yeah, generally, I would just say that, like, if if you, if you want to achieve uh, things on the bigger questions today, you do need the EU, basically. Exactly. 
And you're listening to Radio F. This is Sonda Sommas kommer alltid förlora by Dalmatin. We're back in the studio. You're listening to Radio UF. And we are discussing Sweden's role in the EU. And we've all, so far only discussed really positive aspects about it. Um, and now it's time also to discuss a little bit of setbacks, like both in theory and in practice. I think the first example I would like to mention is one that we uh, talk about in the Nogonokrabah episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because um, to me it was pretty shocking how like there's this... Uh, ban on buying gas from Russia, but then that Russian gas gets sold instead to Azerbaijan, and mm. then we buy gas from mm. Azerbaijan yeah. in Europe, and that is also causing problems in the transit countries and giving power and with this like caviar diplomacy. Um, yes, I am doing promo again for that episode, so go and listen to it. It's <laughs> two parts, and but then also like on a more theoretical aspect, I mean. It's kind of the problem that all political science students have read about, and that the that is that the EU still follows that Westphalian model, meaning that it is the nation state that is at the core of its operations, and that it's sovereignty that reigns, and that it's kind of one of the like sacred principles. Um, so this also means that there's going to be some hinders, and that some countries are going to be able to say like, oh no, we don't want this because it goes against our economic interests. And uh, there is always human rights issues that arise when it is a market-driven uh, politics that gets to decide what is done. And that, for example, uh, the Dutch trade minister that was trying to convince the parties who wanted for the Netherlands to exit the EU with, yes, but we need the trade because we are dependent on that in our economy. So the reason of the creation of the European Union was peace, respect for human rights. Uh, however, the I mean, and I understand this is a package, right? We cannot separate one from the other and we need to make money because, yes, it's a capitalist system and so on and so on. But yeah, the fact that I think the only thing that is kind of risky and dangerous is that the economic discourse is like completely overshadowing this and the debate in many countries is like, we don't want immigration, but we want the trade, um, which was also kind of at the core of Brexit, right? And mm-hmm. we even heard that it was like kind of the core values uh, when it was, yeah, with Sweden will want to have a very big telecom uh, industry or things like that. Um, so I think that could be Both a setback and an advantage at the same time, depending on where you're looking at and <laughs> looking at it. Um, and also the when the institutions are not used properly, even though there's like some rules, as we mentioned in the example with the gas from Azerbaijan. Uh, I think that okay, legally this is correct, but maybe ethically not so much. Um, yeah, and another and another kind of maybe not setback, but a worry. That it has been a part from that has been both for the European uh, Union and the Swedish government is that there is an underrepresentation of Swedes in the mm. European institutions. Yeah, and uh, the European, both the European Union and the government have like put a lot of money to, you know, create um, institutions such as uh, the Swedish Council for Higher Education with its headquarters in Bisby and they organize webinar, lectures, courses, scholarships, everything with the goal of um, letting know people in Swedish youth specifically and students 
what future they could have in the EU and the importance of it. And it, this is also an aspect of legitimacy, right? It's mm-hmm. a democratic representation. If there are yeah. not enough Swedes there in Brussels taking the decisions, then like where is the where is all of this that we talked about gonna go? Like, right? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> too much to say. Too little time. You're listening to Radio US, and this is nothing to declare by MGMT. We're back in the studio, you're listening to Radio UF, and we have reached the end of our program where we discussed Sweden in the EU. We listened to some words by the Swedish Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson, and also we welcomed Fredrika Frid, the head of lecture in Uppsala and the responsible for this lecture. We hope you enjoyed the episode, that you gained some insights that maybe the EU is a little bit higher in your interests, if it wasn't mm. already. Uh, thank you. It was cool to have you uh, on the studio, Eric. Yes, it was great to be here. Uh, and I think it's so much to say and so little time. So there's, uh, as you said, I, I hope uh, the people who are listening are uh, get interested in doing some more research and finding out more about these issues. Um, exactly. Yeah. And if you have anything to say, about the program or about anything in general, if you have a different opinion or an interest point of view, the point of this episode is to spark debate, right? The point of UF Uppsala is to foster international debate of foreign affairs, right? So please write to us. Uh, you can find us uh, at, at UF, uh, radio, sorry, at Radio UF on Instagram. And then our email address is radio at ufuppsala.se. Uh, you can find us there. And you can also come to meet us at Oge uh, Nation on the 7th of February. February, yes. At 6 p.m. We're going to be there. If you wanted to ask us any questions in person, you, yeah. That is the opportunity. We also have our first open meeting on the 12th of February at 6 p.m. So don't miss that. And please come and talk about things that are interesting for you. Next week, we're going to be hosting the debate group at UF Uppsala. And we're going to do something related to the armed forces and security security questions that we haven't talked so much about. Interesting. But without any further ado, uh, we wish you a very nice week and hear you next week. (music) 